Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Well, well, good morning, Soul City Church. Listen, listen, if you are in this room and you are excited to be here, give me a big woo. Ready? Oh, that was really nice. That felt, that felt really good yeah, in my soul. Uh, those of you who are gathering online, would you try and match that energy? Just put like a big woo in the chat with like all caps, seven O's, because that's a nice round biblical number. So we are so glad that you are here if we haven't had the chance to meet yet. Uh, my name is John. I am one of the teaching pastors here. And I want to let you know, uh, this time of year is my absolute favorite time of year around our church. If you've been around here a while, do you feel that way as well? I love this time of year. Our mission here at Soul City, we say it all the time, is to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. And all year round, but especially this time of year, we get to see that mission on full display in many ways. A few weeks ago, some of you were here when we celebrated our 11th anniversary as a church, celebrating 11 years of God's faithfulness. You just heard about our year-end campaign, Hope for All, that's happening right now, which includes things like Gratitude Weekend and so many other ways that we are seeking to be and spread hope this Christmas season. Speaking of, also, Christmas services are coming up at Soul City. Does anyone look forward to Christmas services at Soul City Church? I know I do. I always, always look forward to this time of year around our church, but this year especially, I find myself even more excited because of this series that we are in. Right now, we are right in the middle of a teaching series that we are calling Less is More. And in conjunction with that series, our church is currently in the midst of a 21-day fast. And I tell you that to make sure that you know that if this sermon is terrible, it is only because I am so hungry right now. I am hangry. No, I'm actually doing quite well on this fast. Well, what this actually means is that hundreds of folks around our church right now are choosing to intentionally live on less, whether that's a certain kind of food or social media, for these 21 days together. And we're believing that in doing that, we will experience more of God. That when we have less of the things that can sometimes draw our attention away from God, then we actually have more capacity and more reason to draw near to God. And that ultimately is my hope for us here this morning, that regardless of whether you're taking part in the fast or not, regardless of where you might be at in your spiritual journey, my hope is that over the course of our short time together, that that you just might feel a little bit closer to the God who is love. That you might just feel a little bit closer to the God who, who loves you. And in order to start us off this morning, I have a challenge for all of us. Are you ready for a challenge? Some of you are, the rest of you are scared. That's okay, because we're all going to do this challenge together. And good news is, this should be the easiest thing you have done all week. Here's the challenge. I am going to put 60 seconds on the clock. And the challenge is this. For 60 seconds, just do nothing. Like, except focus on your breath. That's the only instruction. 
That's the only instruction. I'm going to start a clock. Yes, you can keep your eyes open. You can keep your eyes closed. The only rule is stay focused on your breath. Not if you understand what we're doing. Good. All right, 60 seconds on the clock. Ready and Okay, now, that should have been the easiest thing in the world. But as you were sitting there trying to focus on your breath, what happened? I'm willing to bet your mind started to wander just a little bit. Did you feel that start to happen? Even those of you who fancy themselves yogi meditation gurus out there, For one reason or another, you started to get distracted from your breath. Maybe for you, the last 60 seconds felt a little something like this. Man, it is so annoying to have to breathe in a mask. I wonder if there are masks that are easier to breathe in. I think I saw someone wearing a Lululemon mask when I was walking in. I bet those are really easy to breathe in, but I also bet they're like $50. What does that person do for a living that they can spend $50 on a mask? Yeah? Or, or maybe, maybe it felt a little more like this for you. Man, this is a really weird way to start a sermon. Like, does John actually know what he's doing? Did he even prepare anything, or is he just stalling for time? And by the way, am I allowed to have a sip of coffee during this? Does that count? I wonder if my coffee's at a good drinking temperature. I don't want to burn my lips. And by the way, what time do the Bears play? And is Khalil Mack still injured? Because I'm not sure we can win if our defense isn't fully healthy. Do you want to know what was happening for me during those 60 seconds? (laughs) As the guy running the exercise? About two seconds in, I heard someone whisper up here, and I thought, well, they failed. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not judging anyone. I really am not. (laughs) Because in that moment, guess what? I failed too. Right? I just In a spirit of confession, raise your hand if your mind felt something like that during those last 60 seconds. Yeah? Yeah, most of us. The task could not have been easier. And yet somehow, almost all of us found ourselves getting distracted. Now, now here's, here's my real curiosity. Does your life ever feel like that sometimes? Like, forget 60 seconds of silence. How about your work day? You know, you sit down, you got your to-do list, you're ready to crush it, you got it going on. And then you find yourself spending an hour looking for the perfect gif to send in Slack to get a reaction. Or going to the gym. Like, going to the gym should be the easiest thing in the world. All you got to do is get your shoes on and get out the door. But I can't tell you how many times I find myself standing near my front door with one gym shoe on and just scrolling through TikTok. 
This even happens in relationship. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and you know they physically are there, present with you in that conversation, but at one point in the conversation, you saw their mind go like this? Listen, if you don't think it is easy for humans to get distracted, all you have to do is go to Target on a Saturday. Every time I go to Target, I have my mind set on spending like $7. Every time I walk out of Target, I have spent $75 or $700. That, that is neither here nor there. I, I think the, the reality is, as hard as we may try, most of us, if we're honest, we live distracted lives. It, it just kind of seems to be the case that our minds, our attention, our lives just generally drift toward distraction. And while this challenge of distraction is certainly heightened in our day with things like the internet and social media and the 24-hour news cycle, while all of this is really heightened in our day, you should know that it is not entirely unique to our time. In fact, distraction is something that has been plaguing the human race from the very beginning, especially when it comes to our relationship to God. And how we relate to the things of faith. I mean, you could turn throughout the entire Bible and see story after story of this. In the beginning, in Genesis 3, we get the first story of the first man and the first woman failing to believe and do what God said. And their failure was in large part due to the fact that they got distracted by the serpent. And while that's a really old story, maybe that's kind of what faith feels like for you right now. You you want to believe in God. You want to be faithful and do what God says. But it's really hard when we live in a world where there's all these competing narratives and ideologies and philosophies out there. If you keep going in the Bible, you read the majority of the Old Testament tells the story of the nation of Israel. God's chosen people. And these people consistently get distracted from God. They get distracted by other gods or idols or the promise of political power through the oppression of the poor. And while they lived thousands of years ago, let's be honest, many of us, even though we know we are deeply loved and chosen by God, how often do we get distracted by things like our desire for control or status or power or whatever else we find ourselves putting our hope and faith in other than God? Or do you remember maybe the story of the Apostle Peter by faith walking on water with Jesus? But what happened when he got distracted by the wind and the waves, he began to sink. For some here today, faith feels really difficult because the storms in your life feel really debilitating. Maybe this week, the storm of a diagnosis hit your family. Or the storm of another job loss, more cutbacks at work during this pandemic. Maybe this week you're just feeling the weight of the headlines. I know I'm certainly tender to those for whom something like the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict earlier this week, that maybe for you that just feels like it's given birth to a storm of pain and frustration in you. And while you desperately are trying to seek God in it, it's really hard to not get distracted by all the hot takes and all the nonsense that people keep saying and posting about it. And... and, You desperately want to stay focused on Jesus, but it just feels impossible. Or maybe for you, it even feels irresponsible right now to not put all of your focus and all of your attention on the distraction of the storm. And it's not that the storm doesn't matter. Maybe it's just that 
you've forgotten that Jesus is also in it. And so all of that to say, with this struggle of distraction being so prevalent throughout human history and in our individual lives, the question for me this week has become, are we destined to be distracted? Like, is this just inescapable? Should we just resign ourselves? Is distraction just our default? Or is there actually a way for us to defeat or at least do battle with the things that distract us so that we can live a life that is truly focused on the things that really matter. And that's what I want to talk about today. Today, we're going to look at a really simple and really important practice from the life of Jesus that I believe, if we adopt it, will help us to live less distracted lives. So, go ahead and grab a Bible. If you're in this room, there should be a Bible underneath your seat or the seat in front of you. You can turn that Bible to Luke chapter 5. In the Soul City Bible, the part of Luke chapter 5 that we are going to be looking at together is on page 836. Luke 5, it actually starts on page 835, but we're looking at a part a little later in the chapter, page 836. If you're worshiping online, grab your own Bible, open up a tab to Luke chapter 5. A little context before we dive in. This moment that we are about to look at here occurs just as Jesus is beginning his public ministry or his public work. So at this point, he has gathered his 12 disciples, his closest followers. Jesus has started teaching a bit. He's just performed his first miracles. He's just started to exercise his power. And so there's a lot of buzz going on about him. People are really starting to talk about this Jesus guy. And right in the middle of all of this, we get Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. For those of you who know me, you know that I am a total Bible nerd. Like, I genuinely love reading and teaching as much of this book as possible. But today, I just have one verse for you. Because... I actually think we can learn so much about and from the life of Jesus through this one simple verse. If you were to continue and you were to read all of the gospel accounts, you would notice that they are filled with stories of Jesus performing miracles and teaching lots of people. They're filled with stories of Jesus growing in popularity and notoriety and controversy of Jesus being confronted with opportunities to grab power or status or or being confronted with corrupted or false ideas of who God is. In other words, just like you and I, Jesus lived in a culture with so much activity and so much swirling around him. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In other, other words, Jesus' life was filled with opportunities for him to get distracted. For him, notice, to get distracted by bad or negative or unhelpful things, and even opportunities for him to get distracted by good things that were not the main thing for him. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. What we see here is that Jesus had a consistent practice of turning off the noise of the world and getting quiet in God's presence. Here's another way of saying it. Jesus defeated distraction through a rhythm of return. The biblical authors make it really clear. 
Jesus lived a human life. And in a human life that, as we just experienced earlier, pulls our attention and devotion every which way, Jesus knew the importance of consistently returning to the presence of God. And by the way, you should know, this was not a one-time, one-verse thing for Jesus. I know I said I was only going to give you one verse, but I can't help myself. So, you see, this is not the only time the gospel authors bring it up. People noticed this. People noticed things like in Matthew 14, right after Jesus has just poured himself out and fed the 5,000 people, what a miracle, and right before he is about to go and walk with Peter on the water, Matthew 14, 23, it says this. After he had dismissed the disciples, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. In the middle of that, Jesus, he returns to the Father. Or in Mark chapter 1, as Jesus is right in the middle of this absolute healing spree, he is on a heat check of healing. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus is in the middle of doing a lot of good stuff for God. And in the middle of that, he carves out time to return to God's presence. You might remember a story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15 about a son who got distracted and left his home and took all of his father's money and used it on all this different stuff until he found himself at the lowest, most desperate position possible. But if you're familiar with the story, it says when the son came to his senses, what did he do? He re turned to the father who had been waiting the whole time towards the end of his life, just as Jesus is about to go to the cross, just as he is about to be arrested and put on trial and killed. We read that Jesus goes to the garden and he returns to God three times in prayer. And by the way, after Jesus was killed on that cross and buried in a tomb, do you want to know what he did three days later? He returned. And one day he will return again. Jesus defeated distraction. Jesus defeated death through a consistent rhythm of return. Now, let me make one quick clarification for those of you who have made have something going on in your head right now. I am not suggesting that Jesus ever actually got distracted or that Jesus ever allowed his attention to drift away from God like we do. No, Jesus lived his life fully focused and in full unity with God and the Spirit. I believe in large part due to this practice. My point is this. If Jesus needed a rhythm of return, how much more do you and I need one? Like if the Son of God needed often to escape the noise of the world and get quiet before the Father... How much more often do you and I, in our distracted souls, in our distracted lives, how much more often do we need to do this? Like, when you find yourself getting all stressed, like Jarrett talked about last week, when your mind, like it does, gets turning on all the large and small anxieties of your life, and it starts to feel like, oh, I really hate my job. My boss doesn't appreciate anything that I do, and I don't make enough for them not to appreciate me, which my mother always reminds me of. Why does she have to be so critical? I am really not looking forward to seeing her this Thanksgiving or Christmas, which, by the way, I haven't shopped for any presents, but I don't make enough money to buy the presents anyway. When that starts happening in your life, 
Wouldn't it be nice if you had a consistent practice each day where you return to God in prayer and you say, hey, you know what, God? I'm actually going to do what your word says. I'm going to cast all of these anxieties and cares on you because you care for me. I'm going to return. Or maybe when, when you find yourself giving a disproportionate amount of your attention to one thing in your life. Because secretly, deep down, you believe that if you had that one thing, or if you had more of that one thing, then you'd be happy. You put all your fulfillment on that, and so you get tunnel-visioned. And you say, okay, my career, if I had more success, if I had a better job, if I just made more money, then I'd be full. But then you get it, and you're not. And so you say, okay, well, maybe if I lost the weight, like if I just lost 15 pounds, if I was a little more svelte, if I was a little more muscular, then I could look in the mirror maybe. And, and when that doesn't work, you say, okay, if I just had a relationship, okay, if I was just with someone, I don't even care who it is, as long as I don't have to be alone. And then that doesn't work. And you're like, okay, maybe I'll try this over here. And anyone ever felt like that? When you find yourself chasing contentment in all these different places, wouldn't it be great if your life was built on a practice where every day you just come back to God and you say, God, it is not bad for me to want things. And all these, like a lot of these things, they're not even bad. But they become a distraction when they become the ultimate thing for me. And I return to remind myself that my ultimate fulfillment, my ultimate satisfaction and joy, it can only come from the God who loves me. Here's what I do in my life. I so often find myself distracting myself from my distractions. Here's what I mean. When I start to feel stressed, or when I find myself chasing contentment, I distract myself from that by just numbing out. I turn to numbing behaviors. You know what those are? This is when you just start scrolling for hours. Or this is when you binge another season. Not because you really like the show, but because you don't really like your life. So, For me, I eat. Like, I'll just eat a lot. And I know I'm going to feel worse later, but at least it helps me not feel as much in the moment. Maybe for you, you'll drink, or you'll, you'll look for an easier but ultimately lesser form of intimacy than your soul longs for. Or you'll just turn to any of those other attachments that maybe you used to lean into as sort of a healthy release, but now you overuse it in order to just numb yourself out. And then before you know it, your life is just kind of, you know, just kind of, listen, I'm not trying to shame anyone. Again, I'm not saying that all these things are necessarily bad things. What I am saying is that God does not desire for you to live a life that feels numb and feels like it's meandering. But when we return to God, we return to a life of purpose. We're reminded that life is supposed to be rich and filled with meaning. We are reminded when we return that God desires far more for you than your distractions are ever able to give you. And so I I don't know what it is for you. I don't know which of those kind of feel right or feel like... That's what's plaguing you. But the question, at least for me, becomes this. In a life that sometimes feels destined for distraction, when we feel our lives kind of go like this, will you just do what Jesus has already modeled? Will you adopt a rhythm, a practice of return? Because here's the encouraging thing. Hear me. Not only can we return to God, 
God actually wants you to return to him. Like we talked about, while the Bible does largely tell the story of human distraction from God, even more than that, the Bible tells the story of a God who is consistently inviting a distracted humanity to return to him. That is ultimately why God sent Jesus. Not just to give us an example of what it looks like to return to God, but through his death and resurrection, Jesus made it possible for you to return to God. And what a transforming relationship with Jesus does is it speaks over all of the distractions of your life and it reminds you to return to the God who is actually able to hold your life. And hear me, this is actually, this is actually not a sermon about you experiencing less distraction. Because like we just talked about, that's kind of inevitable. That's not just what this sermon is about. It's not about you experiencing less distraction. It's actually about you committing to more returning. And more returning, it always means more of God. And this, ultimately, this has been my prayer for our church as we've been walking through this fast together, that we would be a people that live lives of return. That in following the example of Jesus, we would be so committed to returning to God on a regular basis. And so that, that is our homework this week. Very simple. Do what Jesus modeled. Adopt a rhythm of return. Meaning a consistent practice where you carve out intentional time to leave the distractions of your day behind and come back to the presence of God. Some of you, you already do this. Others of you, you're going to start doing it again after taking some time off. Some of you have never even tried this before. For me, I'm kind of in that second category right now. I'll be honest, I used to crush this. Like, I had a season of my life at least, not my whole life. I had a season of my life where I was, I just had this locked in. You know, you ever have that with another habit where it's just like, you get it going after a while and you're like, yeah, this, this feels good. And that was me probably about a year ago. Then I had a kid. <laughs> and I love my daughter so much. I really do. It's so great. But she's three months old. I don't have any rhythms. <laughs> and so right now, I'm having to try and figure out, okay, what is my new rhythm of return? How do I translate this practice from Jesus? How do I translate into my now life, my now circumstances? That's kind of the challenge for me right now. I'm not sure what it is for you. But what I can do is I can impart some advice that someone gave me a long time ago that is really helpful when you're thinking about spending time with God. Just two parts. Keep it scheduled and keep it simple. Keep it scheduled. We just talked about how the default of our lives is kind of to get distracted. It sounds silly. Put it in your calendar. When you have a meeting at work, what do you do? You put it in your calendar because you don't want to miss it. You'll get fired. God's not going to fire you. However, if it's important to you, it probably goes in your calendar. So do it. It sounds silly, but you probably won't miss it then. And then second, keep it simple. You don't have to be a monk and spend 10 hours in silence every day. Just keep it short. Do it at the same time every day. Just read the same short passage of scripture. Listen to the same song. Probably the easiest way for everyone in our church to do this right now is through our Less is More devotional. One of our lead pastors, Jeannie, she put this together. It's fantastic. One of the reasons it's so fantastic is because it is simple and it is scheduled. Your rhythm of return this week, it could simply look like you reading this devotional each morning for five to ten 
minutes. This is not your only time with God. This is just your time to return to God. If you don't have one of these, you can grab it on the way out. They're free. If you grabbed one last week and it's just been sitting on your coffee table, this week's the time to use it. But whatever your practice, your rhythm of return ends up looking like, the last thing here I'll say is this. The simple practice that you do is always better than the complicated practice that you don't. So this week, in the hopes of experiencing less distraction and more of God, let's adopt this rhythm of return. Keep it scheduled. Keep it simple. Are we all in to try this? Yeah? Good. And you know, of course, it only makes sense that a life of return starts with and is built on moments of return. And that's what I'm hoping we can maybe close our time with, is an opportunity, a moment for us, all of us, collectively, to return to God. And so whether you're in this room or worshiping online, I just want to invite you, as you're seated, to to take a, a posture that we often take here and just place your hands out in front of you. You can do it in your lap if you want. Just place your hands out in front of you, palms up like this. And this morning, we are taking this posture as a symbol If you're taking this posture, you're saying, God, I'm returning to you. That through whatever distractions might weigh heavy on your life or in your mind as you're here this morning, however much you feel like you've been pulled away from God, however long you feel like you've been pulled away from God, whether you just returned this morning to God because that's when your rhythm is, whether you haven't done this in a long time, or whether this is your first time intentionally turning your attention to God, would you take a risk this morning and take that posture and just breathe, God, I am returning to you, knowing that that is fully available for you. Regardless of who you are, regardless of where you've been, it is fully available. Knowing that just like the Father in Luke 15, God has been longing for you to bring your attention, your devotion, and ultimately your life back to him. And so God, we thank you that you are the God of return. In a life filled with distraction, I I grow more and more grateful that we worship the God of return. And God, for each and every person who has been brave enough to make that declaration, who's been brave enough to, to to confess I've gotten distracted in one way or another. For each person who's found it within themselves to return to you right now, I pray that you would meet them. As once again, the father in Luke 15, the minute he saw his son over the horizon, he started running. As we turn even the smallest bit of our attention towards you, would you come running with your spirit? into our minds, into our hearts, and into our lives? Would we experience so much more of you as we turn to you? That's our hope. That's our prayer. And God, we lift our hands to you now with the declaration of this song that, Jesus, we put our faith in you. We've gotten distracted. We're coming back. We're putting our faith in you. We're planting an anchor in your love. That's our declaration. That is our prayer. We love you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.